0: Friends, we are so grateful that you have come to be with us um, this morning. For those of you who might be new in um, in our midst Uh, We want you to know that this is actually our third Sunday worshiping here at um, what was Milner Memorial Presbyterian Church, and it has been such a beautiful transition. There have been so many individuals who are seated beside you um, this morning who have helped to make this transition a a beautiful one, of one where we went to having about three hours uh, in a space on a Sunday to being able to kind of saunter in and also to saunter out. It is uh, a beautiful and a new reality, and we just uh, pray that if you have um, come to be with us for uh, the very first time, and that you will know what a great gift it is, that we can really rest uh, here in this place to call it our home for um, the amount of time that God would have us here uh, at the site of Milner Memorial Presbyterian Church. Um, Also, too, if you um, are new with us this morning, I want you to know that since Easter Sunday, which was um, April 21st, we have been preaching about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and the reason we have been doing that is that Easter is not a day, it is not a Sunday, it is actually a season. It spans 50 days. And so we want to be the kind of people who recognize that when we say Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, hallelujah, that that reality um, is so real for us, that power is so real for us, not just on the Sunday that we gather on Easter Sunday, but that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all of the days of our lives. As we talk about what it means to be Easter people, when we hear about the shooting at Virginia Beach, we can then say, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed, hallelujah. That Christ still overcomes the grave, that Christ can still do something in the midst of chaos and death. That if you have experienced heartache or heartbreak, that we can say, Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. That God will not leave you in that broken place, but that God is a restorer and a redeemer of our hearts and also of our situation It is good to know that resurrection power is not contained to a Sunday, but that resurrection power is a reality that is for us every single day of our lives. Every single time we take in a breath, we know that Jesus is resurrection and life in all of our situations and our circumstances. And sometimes we need that Easter reality to settle in our bones. And so for the 50 days of Easter, we have been preaching about the resurrection power of our Lord. Now in the first 40 days of the season of Easter, most passages of scripture that um, pastors will preach on are all of the moments that Jesus shows himself in the resurrected state. And on the 40th day of the Easter season is what is known in the church as Ascension Sunday or Ascension Day. It is the day when Jesus ascends to the heavens. When I was um, in seminary, I used to call it the Be Me Up Scotty Day, you know, when Jesus is like, ah, you know, levitates. Um, when Jesus goes, uh, is, ascends um, to, the, to the heavens. Um, and so this Sunday, we call it Ascension Sunday. We mark this momentous occasion when Jesus is raised up into the heavenly realm now it is important for us to mark this day the Ascension Sunday or uh, the feast of the Ascension of our Lord because whenever there is movement for Jesus we need to know that there's also movement for us that whenever Jesus is brought low that means something for us whenever Jesus is raised high that means something for us whenever Jesus is called out that means something for us And so um, this day isn't us about just kind of like keeping our heads to the sky, uh, commemorating Jesus' ascension into the heaven, though that's incredibly important and I'll tell you why, but it is also a reminder to us that maybe in Jesus' movement there is something that is going to be asked of our lives. So this morning, I'm going to read from uh, what is known as the first chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. The same writer of Luke's Gospel also writes um, this particular book. So. The Gospel writer of Luke is also the writer of this, um, of this, of this book. And um, the Acts of the Apostles basically means that these are the works of those who were either eyewitnesses or who were a part of Jesus' entourage. You know how on LinkedIn it will tell you if you're like a first kind of tier connection or a second tier connection or a third tier connection or I don't even know why you want to, uh, you know, follow me um, on LinkedIn? Um, the eyewitnesses or the apostles would be those who had the nearest kind of access to Jesus or they were eyewitnesses of those who had the nearest access to Jesus. That's just too long to say, so they call it acts. (laughs) Or the acts of the apostles. These are the things that Jesus' eyewitnesses did after Jesus' resurrection. And so Luke is basically going to give us a recap and then he's going to share about this supernatural event that happens in Jesus' life. So hear now these words from Acts chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. And it says this. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I want to stop because that 40 days is incredibly important. 40 within scripture always means a fulfillment of a promise. And so the fact of the matter that Jesus, his last appearance is on the 40th day after his resurrection, says something about a fulfillment of a promise um, in Jesus' own life and also to now he's telling the disciples that they are going to be clothed with power from on high and that he has promised them they will not be left orphaned, that the Holy Spirit will come as a comforter and also a guide in their lives. And so that, that um, designation of the day is, is important for us to hold on to. And then it says in verse 6, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go in to heaven. Hear these words in verse 11 again. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God, we believe that you have a word to speak to us, and we believe that the word that you want to speak to us is a word that will give us life. So we ask that in the stillness of this moment that you would turn down the volume on all the other voices that would seek to distract us. Our own voice that tells us what we have done or what we have left undone. And God, might we be attuned to you that whether you speak to us in a whisper or a mighty roar, we might hear with great joy what it is that you want to say to us this day. And God, in hearing your word, not only on our ears, but also the ears of our hearts, that we might live out these words beautifully. We ask this in the strong name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So um, Greer Webb, who is um, helped with our worship this morning. When um, Greer was a, a small child, when he was in preschool, I mean, he mentioned this in his senior um, talk, I um, was a pastor of the place where he went to preschool and I used to do chapel for the three, four, and soon to be five year olds of this particular preschool. Now, coming out of seminary I had a whole lot of theological stuff in my head and sometimes I did not know how to bring things down to the level of children. Uh, I have now grown. I have stretched. But anyway, when Greer was in preschool, it was not his Particular class, but I uh, went one day to, to be with the three year olds and I asked them this question Tell me where does Jesus live? Tell me where does Jesus live? Now, the answer that I wanted the children to give me was heaven. That's what I wanted them to give me. But instead, one little boy cries out I mean, like on the top of his lungs Jesus lives in New York. And indeed, as a good little three-year-old theologian and in my um, also uh, late 20s as a theologian, recognize that for me to ask those children to say that Jesus lived in heaven was to actually limit where Jesus takes up social location and space, that he was right. Jesus is in New York, and Jesus is in Somerville, and Jesus is in Raleigh, and Jesus is in Haiti. We scholars believe this of Jesus. We use this term, the ubiquity of the body, which basically means that Jesus is in all places at all times, that Jesus is not bound by space, that Jesus is not even bound by time, but that that which is behind us and that which is before us, and right now, Jesus is. We call Jesus by the name Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. And we recognize that when Jesus comes in human form, as the revelation of who God is, that Jesus comes to be with us in a very distinct way. Jesus is near to us. But we believe that the Jesus who is in the manger is also the Jesus who is in the heavens. It's not to say that Jesus isn't everywhere at all times and in all places, but there is something special to note about the fact that Jesus ascends to the heavens. That that Jesus is lifted up high, that Jesus is exalted. This idea of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father speaks to Jesus' lordship. It it speaks to the fact that Jesus is the king of kings, that Jesus truly rules from a place on high, that though Jesus takes on human flesh and looks like us, there is something that is distinctly different about Jesus than us. And going to this high place also notes that there is this end to the earthly ministry that Jesus had lived out uh, in his uh, childhood and also in his adulthood. For we say in the Advent and Christmas seasons that the light of the world... Stepped out from the heavenly world into darkness, or steps down into the world. That Jesus takes this movement from a high place to a low place, and now Jesus is going back up to a high place. It is almost to say this is going to wrap up this distinct way in which Jesus was made known for us and worked and dwelt among us. It closes Jesus' distinct mission on earth. And the ascension of Jesus as Jesus goes up to the heavenly realm also points to our distinct mission on earth. When Jesus' ministry ends in that distinct way, it also points to the ways in which our ministry begins in a distinct way. You see... um, when these disciples who have been blessed by jesus these disciples who have been reminded of of jesus's power when jesus dwelt among them and worked among them tells them listen you are going to go to an upper room and you are going to be clothed with power from on high and when you are clothed with power from on high you're going to have the capacity and the energy and the know-how to go to judea Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the farthest ends of the earth. You are going to be the little Christ. You are going to take on my image in this world. So even though I am going up to this high place, you who are here on earth are not to be left just gazing up at the sky. Whenever angels ask questions, But whenever angels appear like chaperones, you know, it's like once Jesus is ascending, it's like all of a sudden the angels appear. And when the angels appear, the angels appear with some questions. And this is the the first thing that comes out of the angels' mouths. Men of Galilee, why are you looking up at the sky? Why are you gazing up to the heavens? In the same way that he goes up, Jesus will one day come back. But this is the thing. In between that time that Jesus has been raised up to the heavenly realm and when Jesus comes back again, your job is not to stand looking in the heavens. Jesus has given you instructions as to how you are to live now that Jesus has been raised to this high place. You see, over and over and over again, whenever there is movement with Jesus, there is also movement with Jesus' disciples, which means us. When Jesus says, my time is drawing nigh that I'm going to die, I will not be with you long. What does Jesus then say to the disciples? You know what? I want you to be one as I and the Father are one. Because if you are one, the people will know that you belong to me. My time is coming to a close. I will not be with you long. So I'm going to stoop down and I'm going to wash your feet. And when I wash your feet, then what does Jesus say? Now I want you also to wash one another's feet and to see the ways in which you are to live out radical friendship with each other in this world. Whenever there is movement with Jesus, I'm going to be raised high or brought low, that also means that there is a charge or a challenge on our lives. So when the angels come to the disciples and say, why are you gazing up to the sky? It is to tell them that is not the posture to just stay waiting oh, when is Jesus going to come back again to make all things right and well in this world? Um, One of my favorite quotes comes from Bishop Will Williman, who was um, the the former bishop of the the North Alabama Conference within um, um, our church tradition. And he says this of we who are Christians, that we are not a memorial society for Jesus. Oh, Jesus, sweet, sweet, dear Jesus, That when we stand waiting and we forget that we are the ones that we are waiting for, then we become like those who just hold our hands and we stonewall and we just hope for something about the movement of God when Christ's movement means something about our movement in the world. Now, next week I'm going to talk about how we're actually uh, equipped and commissioned to be at work in this world. But I think um, before we can even get to what is the power that's going to call you out to Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to your schools and in your house and in your neighborhoods and to the farthest ends of the earth, before we can ever get to that part, I have to first ask us this question to keep us honest and that is, are we just standing gazing at the sky? In the knowledge of the resurrection power that we believe that Jesus has unleashed in this world and also unleashed in us so that it can be unleashed through us, are we just standing, basking in the blessings that Jesus has offered over us and just standing and gazing at the sky? Forgetting that actually Jesus wants us to move. Move. That Jesus wants us to be at work in this world. You know, I I think of ascension as the moment that we know that Jesus really trusts us. You know when you were um, a child and you were at that that critical place in your life where your parents actually felt like they could leave you at home, and that W R E L will not be called. <laughs> this idea that there can be some distance, but that even in the distance, it will not stop the movement. Do you recognize that Jesus actually based on the power that Jesus gives us, thinks that we are trustworthy to make Jesus known in this world. Jesus blesses us to be like Jesus in this world, meaning that wherever we would imagine Jesus showing up, to heal and to redeem and to restore, to care and to love and to speak blessing, to raise up and to heal and to love, Jesus imagines us being there. Considers us trustworthy for us to be unleashed in the world. but are we gazing at the sky? When you hear that things are happening in this world, do you just wait gazing at the sky? When there are things happening around with the people in your life, do you just gaze at the sky? Or do we actually begin to look at one another and say, Jesus believes something of us. Jesus believes something of us to bless us that we might be in all of the places that Jesus would find himself. So this morning as we go to God um, in prayer, knowing that when Jesus was called up, (laughs) thank you, Jesus, that when Jesus was called up, (laughs) The movement for us is that we are called out. That we are called out. So I'm going to invite you um, to close your eyes. You know, we come to church um, to actually get our marching orders. We come to church to remind ourselves that we have been equipped and empowered to then go back and return into the world to be little Christs. That with our words we can create new worlds. That with our gentleness that we can somehow mitigate anger. That wanting to bend toward justice, that people who feel oppressed and burdened and broken, might be set free. That our lives that sometimes seem to carry the weight of, of our bad mistakes, that we can become the template of God's glory, that God's blessings can make us whole. There's a way in which God is calling us to be in this world. and Maybe this day you have to confess where you have been afraid to take your gaze from the sky and to move to the place that Jesus has called you. I want you to offer that to Christ. Maybe you feel inadequate or ill-prepared or just a great level of fear. And then might you also uh, lean into this. that when we do gaze at the sky, that we would just do so for a moment, recognizing that when we turn to the heavenly realm, we recognize where our power and our strength comes from, Mm -hmm. that God actually chooses to make us into God's dwelling place, so that the one who is on high also makes a home in us. And so we need not be afraid or anxious or concerned. But that we can believe that even though Jesus has gone to a high place, that Jesus will not leave us as Jesus commissions us to go to all places. Lord, we don't want to be a memorial society for you. We don't wanna come and just sing songs and remember how good you are and forget how good you are to us and how good you are through us. God, we want to have the kind of imagination that we don't just think that you were at work way back when but that in all the days that you have given us, you are good right now and you'll be good tomorrow and you'll be good on Tuesday and you'll be good on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and to the end of the age because we actually believe in what you have said of us, that we are trustworthy to be your ambassadors in this world. So this morning we didn't come to memorialize, We have come to be equipped and to be reminded that you see something in us and you want us to do something about it. Lord God, may it be so. May it be so in each and every one of our lives. Amen.